I think every now and then we have to be challenged about how we're thinking today. And I don't remember the author, but some years ago I read um, something out of a book and it simply said this. It says, ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. Ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. Now, I'm talking about the church. I'm talking to church people this morning, Christian people today. And so with all of our ease, with all of our blessings, and I thank God for blessings. I love blessings. I, I think that's living for God. That's part of living for the Lord is to be blessed. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. I hope you make $10 million this year. But the point being is, is that if we get caught up in the ease of life, that becomes a greater destruction to my legacy than hardship. And the reason why that is is because we begin to float through life with ease and everything becomes pleasurable. Everything comes, becomes more about my next purchase, my next vacation, my next purchase, whatever that may be. Cars, houses, etc. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just simply saying, guys, I hope you get my point at the onset of this message, is, is that we have to keep each other grounded. And every now and then, we have to bear a cross. Every now and then, we have to pick our crosses up and we have to walk with Him. Paul was very uh, pointed in his statement. He said, we get up every day, and I'm paraphrasing, but we get up every day and we have to bear the cross every single day. We have to deal with our crosses because we all have them. For some of you in this room this, this morning, it might be, it really might be this. It, it might be you're in a marriage that that's no longer has love in it. But you know God's called you there and that's your cross for the moment. For some of you, maybe it's going to a job that you really don't like, but you know God's put you there, so you're there, and so that's your cross for the moment. Life is not easy. And we have to embrace that because it is those moments that we overcome things in our life that we would like to escape. It's whenever God gets the most credit, the most value. Because it's not about... Christian, Christendom is not about living in blessing, Christendom is about living through things that I don't like and still being what God's called me to be. Are you starting to feel it yet? Because we each and every one of us in this room this morning are going to go through hard places, but that's when God's molding and making you into everything that He wants you to become. Because God has a legacy in you right where you are, regardless of age, regardless of how young or how old you are. God has a legacy in you. Winston Churchill once said this. It was in a bunker in London in World War II. He said, self-indulgence at this time only is helping the enemy. And I think we have to stop for a moment. I use that whenever I talk about legacy because I love that statement because I'm always checking myself. I'm always checking myself in, in, inwardly. Where am I at? Where am I at inwardly? As a pastor, it is my calling is to speak to you the unadulterated Word of God the best that I can and the understanding that I have of it. Not adding to, not taking away. So I want you to understand right now in our life in Christ, in America today, in our culture and society, that each and every one of us have to understand that self-indulgence at this time only helps the enemy. And I'm not talking about some other country. I'm talking about the enemy of your soul. Because he's come to steal, kill, and to destroy. And whenever he gets a chance, he will do just that. And so you have to stay on the cutting edge. And that is very intentional. 
Because if you're not intentional about where you are with God, you're going to drift. I think it's Hebrews. I really think it's Hebrews that talks about self-Christian drift. I don't know how I got here, but let's hang here for a moment. I think there's some of you possibly in this room this morning that are dealing with some drift. I want you to get back. I want you to get back. I want you to get back to center point. I want you to get back to tether. I want you to get back to the place that you know in your life that God's called you. And I want you to put a stake down and I want you to tie yourself to that. Because there's going to come a time and place that you're going to drift off of that. And you're going to have to know where center is for you. Your purpose is for you. Because God's calling you to a legacy. He's got a legacy in you. I want us to understand legacy is is organizing the way you live now so that you will be a blessing to other people for generations to come. You've already been read that definition. I've listened to the podcast. I know you've already been read that definition. But I want to reiterate that to you this morning that there's more in you than just now. You say, well, I'm young. I don't even have the job. No, but whenever you start to think differently, the job comes. Whenever you start to prepare differently, things come. Why? Because you begin to walk in wisdom beyond your years. Listen to what I just said. There's a difference. You, you want to know what, one of the reasons why, and I, I apologize, Allison and Lyle watching uh, or listening by podcast, because I need to give honor to my son and his wife. But I'm so proud. I'm so thankful for them. Because they walk in wisdom beyond their years. And the reason for that is, is because they started counting something that doesn't just exist today. It exists in the future. And something of the past has put them in a place to start thinking about things of the future. Not just now. Not just groping for more now. But realizing that the promises of God, as King James says, are yea and amen. In other words, they're true regardless. He's already done it. I just walk in it. I may not see the fruition. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. In other words, I may not materialistically have those things now, or the prayer and I may not be answered now, but I'm walking in it as though it is existing now. Because it is in my faith that things now are what I, I, I know that I'm walking into, but I receive them now. I, don't, I can't physically feel it now, but I know it's there. Because why? Because God has promised those things to me. They're there. I, I, I don't have those things yet, but it's there. I want you with me for just a moment. And Ron, whenever I get done reading this scripture, thank you so much for your help. The book of Psalms in chapter number 2 and verse number 8. The Bible says this. It says, ask of me. God said this, capital M. Anytime you see a capitalization on a word, it means deity. So God is saying, ask of me and I will give you this nation or the nations for your inheritance. He said, just ask me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. God is saying, ask, pray, seek me, ask of me what what the purpose of your life is, and I will begin to move in that area. I'll give you things that that you can't even uh, think or consider today. I will begin to move in your life in a greater way than you've ever considered. Whenever you begin to ask and think bigger. Legacy is really thinking bigger. It's about thinking about those generations to come. Thinking about those things that I'm praying into today. 
You know our five values. As Allison said, there's been five months that you've been sharpened a little bit on the values. We're talking about the presence of God. Worship the presence of God. We're talking about being a family. You don't have to perform to be a part of the family. You are a part of the family. Why? Because you're here serving. You're here worshiping. You're here giving. You're here to do life with us. You are a part of the family. And our third value is growth. growth, Growing as disciples and in disciples. That's a two-way street. We're here not only to grow personally, but I'm here to give back to you so you can as well grow because we're part of the family. When I look at you as family, I don't hold things from you. I give freely to you. Everything that God's put in my life, I begin to allow that to flow through my life to you so that you as family members can also receive the blessings. And that's the powerful thing about inheritance. And it is this. It's not just an inheritance of dollars and money when I die. And not the things that I can give you monetarily today. But it's the things that you might be able to catch from me as I'm living. Those are inherited, wonderful, valuable things as we grow together. And then you know the fourth value. It's generosity. And then the fifth value is legacy. Guys, these five values are truly the core of of everything that we intend to be and are going to grow into even the more. Legacy. Legacy. Turn to your neighbor and say legacy. Legacy is to live your life where it makes a difference. If you are trying to live your life without God, you will never completely get everything out of your life God intended for you to have and to get out of it. God is the center most part of everything that we are and everything that we will ever be. Without God, we cannot do what God has called us to do. It is impossible to get out of your life without living by faith. Faith is the key ingredient that if we don't watch ourselves, we will be living in fear and not faith. The opposite of faith is fear. The opposite of fear is faith. So I've got to start believing, as Allison said, as she was receiving the offering today. I've got to start believing. This anxiety is on me for a reason. I've got to let go of that. Why? Because there's some fear somewhere that is causing this anxiety. I need you today to identify where your fear or your anxiety is coming from because whenever you begin to apply faith through Christ in that circumstance, God will begin to wipe away the fear and the anxiety. You've got to begin to identify where is this coming from. It's just not by happen chance, as one might say, that I have this. No, there's a reason I feel this way. The book of Ecclesiastes, the writer Solomon said it like this. He said, it is put in every heart, paraphrasing, in every heart, of man, I've put an eternal eternal call upon them. I've put eternity in the heart of man. It, it's not by chance that you're here this morning and you have a desire to get closer to God. That you have questions about eternity. That you have questions about life after death. That you have questions about how do I get closer to God? Why do I pray? Why do I fast? Why do I give? Why do I serve? Why do I do these things? These are not by chance. No, God said, I put that in you on purpose so that you would begin to dig in a little bit more. So that you can begin to find the essence of why I made you. And why you've been cultivated to this point of who you are. That we can begin to grow from here to where I ultimately want you to be. And I've often said whenever I grow grayer and I am laying in my warm bed with my wife beside me, I want to draw my last breath knowing that I've poured out everything that Christ breathed into me when he saved me. There was something that took place in my life whenever he saved me. It was just like a breath. It was a, it was just a, 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 a 
breath that he, he blew into me. And I know I will never die. I will never die. You can't kill me until everything God blew in me has been spoken out of me. I, I just can't die. I don't mean that to be arrogant. I'm just saying that God is in control. And I will not die until I have spoke the last words that God intended for me to speak. And the same is the call on your life. You've got to find that place that you begin to realize, you know what, I'm made for something greater than what I'm living today. I'm, I'm made for something more. That's not arrogant. That's okay. There's a good ambition in Christ. One of, some of the founding fathers of the church, one of the things that they wrestled with, if you'll go back and do some of your historical studies, you'll, 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 you'll realize that one of the things that they wrestled with was ambition. Is ambition good for man? Well, I'm here to tell you today that ambition through Christ and the call that he has on your life is good for you. You've got to have a desire to do great things in Christ. You've got to want more. Turn to your neighbor and say, more. I need more. I need more of this. Now, I want you to notice with me in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, the New, New King James reads like this. It says, command those who are rich in this present age, not to be haughty, nor to trust in, in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be, that, excuse me, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. He's saying, you gotta, you got to get a grasp on your life. you got to get a grasp that God's done doing some great things in my life, but this is not what I'm living for. It's not what I'm living for. And that's what the enemy would love to do to you. He would love for you to get your eyes on the things that are not of eternal value. That's good right there. You might want to write that one down. Why? Because what do I focus on? What should I be giving my life to? It is to things that have eternal value. And whenever I begin to, to view things through, whether it's just of this life or whether it has eternal value, then I begin to get a glimpse of legacy. I begin to get a glimpse of the eternal things that God has for me in my life. Does it have eternal value? There was some few years ago, matter of fact, it was about three years ago, and you... Here I am, middle-aged gentleman, and uh, four boys, wonderful daughter-in-laws, grandbabies by now, and, and uh, still working on some things. I know you think I got it all wrapped up, but still working on a few things in my life. And I want you to write, if you're taking notes this morning, and I, I can always tell if we have an intellectual church whether they're taking notes or not, because you're not going to absorb everything, I don't think, unless you have a photogenic memory. But there was something that happened to me. I, I, this is not about patting me on the back, but this is a lifestyle that my wife, my family, and we lead. I, I really believe in fasting. I believe in fasting is the quickest way, not that I fast for me. I do. It makes me healthy, and I, I love health, and I'll talk about it a little later. But I also think it's the quickest way to get to the heart of God. Why? Because I get away from my old fleshly things, and I start to deny myself, and I start to find myself in the presence of God even the more. And so a few years ago, I was in a 40-day fast, and, and uh, I was sitting in my office where I'm at currently in my current office, and thanks be to God, we're, we're going to have a wonderful opportunity to expand our facility coming up in a few months. I'm so happy about that. It's just going to be awesome. And, uh, but I was sitting in my office where I am now in my, in my current office situation, and, and um, 
I have a prayer chair. And my prayer chair, and I want you should write this down as well because you need one. You've really got to have one. If you don't get anything out of my message today, write down, I've got to have a prayer chair. I'm not kidding you. It changes your life. And let me tell you why. So I was sitting there, and I was somewhere in 32, 33 days into this liquid fast, and, and I was sitting there, and I, I finally I just got honest with God. And it took me that long. It's amazing to me how strong the flesh is. But I was sitting there in my prayer chair that day, and, and I was just, this is, this is what prayer chair, I've got to explain this to you for just a moment because some of you are going to do this. Prayer chair is this. It's 10 to 15 minutes every day in your chair, no music, no nothing, not praying out loud. It's simply shutting your mouth, sitting there, and saying, God, speak to me. I'm not saying a word. God, I need, I need you to speak to me. That's what the prayer chair is. I'll pray, I'll walk through the church, I'll walk in the office, I'll look out the window and I'll declare and et cetera and so forth. But I was sitting in my prayer chair that day and I was sitting there and I, I, I said, I said, God, I'm mad. And, and, and God said, what's up? I don't know what he said, but that was sort of what he said. And I, and I just began to spill my heart out to God about why I was so mad. I was frustrated. And, and it came from a stem from a church hurt. Anyone? It came from a stem of a church hurt and a situation. And I just said, God, I'm mad. And God said to me, this is what he said. He said, today you have spoken my language. And... And this is what it meant to me. I said, God, you mean I've spoken your language like I was speaking, I was, you know, I was speaking in tongues. I was speaking in the spirit, praying a little bit, you know, prior to sitting in my chair. And, and, and God, is it that I, I was talking your language? Did we connect somewhere? And that and he said, no, it's not about anything verbal. He said, it's about your posture of your heart. And I'll never forget, God said this to me that day. I didn't say this in the nine. I told you the 11 is going to be better. You guys better be taking good notes. Because this is what he said. He said, today you have prayed a hundred year prayer. Think about that. Today you've prayed a 100 year prayer. What he was saying was you've prayed a once in a lifetime prayer. You, you've connected in a place today that you may never connect again. That may be different. You will connect differently. But today, you've connected right at the heart of a situation. And so as I was sitting there and I said, okay, God, we've connected on a place today that is a 100-year prayer. I'll never forget that 100-year prayer. It's a 100-year prayer. This was a 100-year prayer. And I knew that was God speaking to me. And he said, why are you mad? I said, well, I feel like that this certain circumstance, I feel like it was stolen from me. And God spoke to me straight out of Solomon's writings. And he said, well, what happens whenever you find the thief? And I said, well, your writings, Solomon said, you said through Solomon that the thief has to repay seven times. And he said, well, so be it. That's what God said to me. Well, so be it, seven times. And I said, well, Lord, I don't want seven, I want ten. I'm, that's exactly what I said. Bam, bam. I said, God, I don't want seven, I want ten. He said, by faith, so be it. By your faith, so be it. And so I got up out of that chair that day understanding that some of that hurt out of the church and of the things that I felt like were stolen from me, it was like, the only way I know how to describe it, it was like I had on a jacket and that jacket fell off of my shoulders and hit the floor. 
It was like a weight fell off of me. Something happened that moment. Something changed. I had some identity. I had some purpose that I never had before in my life. I had something that come across so clear and so clean and so purposeful that I had never felt in my life. And I'm going to tell you the second thing that happened in that prayer and at that moment. Every, get this, every church competitive motivation that I had hit the floor with that coat. And I'm going to tell you why church competitiveness is is of the enemy. It's whenever I got to do this because that church is, or I got to do that because that one's bigger. I got to do this because of that. Let me tell you why that's so dangerous in the the church world. And I'm going to tell you why it is. It's when leaders do not know their identity. No, 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 no. You listen to me today. It's when leaders do not know their identity and what God has called them to. I'm not called to what you may be called to. I'm called to what God put in my heart. And you say, well, I like being competitive. Well, let's go play golf. I'll beat the fire out of you. But the point, no, no, no. It's not my point. But my point when it comes to the church, it's like this. I'm not in competition with the guy down the street. And when that fell to the floor, I began to own my identity in Christ like never before. And whatever God said, I'm going to give you ten times of everything that the enemy stole, that is not my mystical, thought-up, random, fasting prayer. No, God's Word bared witness to what I was receiving in my heart. And so I know that what God spoke was true and was his will because it's in his word. What are you saying, preacher? What I'm saying this morning is is that you've got to find a place that you know who you are. I know who your daddy was, but who are you? I know who your mama is, but who are you? I know who Jesus was. I know who Paul was. I know who the pastor down the street is. But who are you? Well, they run 10,000, so I've got to run 10,000. Well, what if you ran 1,000 in one location and 1,000 in 20 other locations? Maybe that's your call. Isn't that powerful? But we don't get that because we, hang on. It's because we don't spend time alone with God. If you really want the frustration to leave, you're going to have to give God your time, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes in your prayer chair. Don't say a word. Stop praying out loud. Stop having a motivated prayer of why you need what you need and why you're going where you're going and why your spouse is doing what they're doing why your kids are crazy. You've got to stop. And you've got to listen. Turn to your neighbor and say, just listen. Just listen. Which lends me to this thought. Heaven, not earth, is my home. Heaven, not earth, is my home. And whenever, I think it's the book of Hebrews. I didn't look it up between services because that's what I used in the first service as well. But but I, I, I think the writer said this, he said, it is healthy for us to realize 
that God could come back today. I, I want you to think with me for a moment. If in the next five minutes God were to come back, where does that leave you emotionally? Where does that leave you with your relationships? Where does that leave you today in your current situation if God were to come back? You may be saved, yes, good, awesome. You may be saved, but what is it in this life that you were preparing for or what you were doing currently for something tomorrow, for something later on today? What does life really look like for you? And this led me to this understanding, and they're going to put a, a little illustration on the screen for me this morning, and that is, is that the line is longer than the dot. Yeah. Yeah. I like your going. The line left is my symbol of eternity past. The line right of the dot is my symbol of eternity future. And in the middle, in the dot... Is me. Turn to your neighbor and say, That's me. That's you. Say that. That's me. That that dot is us. The dot is us. So whenever I begin to look at my life, my legacy, all that I am and who I want to be and the call of God on my life, whenever I begin to consider eternity, past, eternity, future, God's eternity, my identity, I don't have time to sit around doing things that God's not in. God's not in because if I do things that God is not in then I'm wasting the dot that only that that's all I have is the dot and if I'm wasting the dot then where does that leave my tomorrow what does that look like whenever I'm old and gray what does that look like when I don't have the energy that I have today if you do not conquer today you will not have a future to eat let me rephrase that for you in your youth if you are not going after what God's called you to, you will not be able to sit back and enjoy what you've conquered in the youth of your life, in the energy of your life. Whenever you get older, you're groping now for something that you didn't conquer when you were in your youth, when you should have conquered it. And now I don't have the energy and I'm running out of time and I, I've somehow got to catch up. Don't waste your time. Conquer while you're young. Conquer while you're, you're young. Because then you'll have something when you get old. No, no, let me bring it even down more common for you. Go to work. Turn to your neighbor and say, go to work. when the perfect thing comes you know I, I've got this degree and I've got this and, and I've got all of these things in line and I just don't find the job that fits exactly what I'm made for turn to your neighbor and say "Go, just go to work uh, I'm not being mean with you this morning my dad would always teach me he would say Jeff he would say do something till something better comes along 
Do something till something better comes along. I'm not being mean, guys. I'm just trying to say, whether it's in the spirit or whether it's in the natural, put your hands on something and work that thing. Work it, work it, work it, work it, work it, work it. Because you only got one dot. You've only got one dot. When the dot's gone, the dot's gone. Then it's eternity. Notice with me in Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. For the Bible says this. It says, so, so be careful how you live. Don't, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. I'm talking, guys, about leaving a legacy. Legacy is love. Legacy is love. The reason why we don't leave legacy sometimes and we don't do what we're called to do is because we have so much fear in our lives. A few weeks ago, I I preached a message called The Power of Love. And it was on Veterans Day. And I I spoke and I ended the message like this. I looked up the statistics around the Medal of Honor. And there have been, in American wartime veterans, there have been, I think it's 41.9 million men and women that have served during wartime. 49.1 million people that have served during wartime. There have been 3,500 Medal of Honors given of 41.9 million people that have served. Now think about it with me for a moment. I begin to think about that in such a rare honor, Medal of Honor, such a rare thing in, in, our, in, in human beings. Why? Why only 3,500? This is the story. The gentleman, literal, true fact story, I think it was in the Korean War, this one gentleman was talking about, and he said, we were pinned down in a foxhole, and we were there, we were just laying as close to the ground as we possibly could because the bullets were flying over our head. We were outmanned, we were outnumbered, they had machine gun nests, and they were just bombarding us with ammunition, bullets flying everywhere. And he said, there we were, about 10 of us, 8 to 10 of us in our, in our little group that was left, and we were pinned down in this foxhole. And he said, as I was there with these bullets flying over my head, true story, as I was laying there with these bullets flying over my head, he said, I began to reconsider my life. And this is what he said. He said, I I wish that I could die. Now, you all think I'm being morbid today. I'm really not being morbid. I'm reminding us. So hang with me. He said, I wish that I could die at home with my wife in my bed with my kids around me. He said, but I find myself in a place that I look around myself and I find just my buddies, seven or eight of them with him there in that foxhole, on, a foreign, on foreign soil, many, many thousands of miles from home. And he said, I remember thinking, if I'm going to die today, it's not going to be here in this foxhole. And he looked at his buddies on both sides and he said, this is what the difference was. He said, where I was gripped with fear initially. Well, all of the stuff, boom, boom, all the loud noises, all the stuff that was flying over my head. When I was gripped by fear initially, he said, I looked around me and I looked at my buddies and what I found was love. It wasn't bravery. Bravery was an attribute. He said, I found love. And he said, if I'm going to die today, I'm getting out of this hole. Thank you, Ron. 
I'm getting out of this hole. I'm talking to somebody in this room this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, get out of your hole. Get out of your hole. Because there's fear in that hole. And your fear is overtaking you because the love of God has got to explode in your heart. And so the next moment, he said, just in the next moment, he said, I grabbed my my AK and I jumped out of that hole with bullets flying around me and he said I just started running towards that machine gun nest and I just started shooting just everything that moved and I was running straight at it and at the moment he said I got hit in the shoulder and I got hit in the leg he said but whenever I got up and I began to run towards that machine gun nest and all of those people that were shooting at us because as he was shooting they was ducking in their holes so you get it you begin to get it the enemy has to hide whenever you go on offense and so whenever he went on a fence, the enemy had to hide its head because they were afraid they were going to get shot. And so the whole group of them got out of their hole and they began to run towards the enemy. And he said they overcome them and they, they gave up their weapons. And they stood there, shot in his shoulder, shot in his leg. And he said, I began to remember what got me out of my hole was first of all, if I die, I ain't dying here. talking to the heart of some folks in this room today that God's been pushing and he's been pushing on you and he's been pushing on you to do, to serve, to give, to preach, to whatever you're called to do and you just keep saying, I can't, I can't, I can't because I'm in this hole and you don't understand the enemy's got me pent. I'm telling you, if you stay there long enough, you and all the people around you are going to die. Something on the inside of us has got to come to the place to whereby we say, I'm going to love more than I'm going to fear. I'm going to love the lost people of Nashville more than I'm going to fear opening my mouth and telling them. I'm going to love those kids down there and legacy kids more than I'm going to have the fear of going down there and being with a bunch of babies. I'm not going to to die here and so for some of us in this room this morning whether it's a medal of honor that's neither here nor there but I am saying is is that we've got the greatest commander of all and this is the part of the story I left out one of the parts of the story he said was this he said I didn't get up and run towards that machine gun nest because I was it was about America and our overall consuming motto He said, I didn't get up and get out of that hole because of the commanders back at the tent 10 miles off the front line. I didn't do it because of them. Oh, I'm just going to get up because there's a guy back there 10 miles that told me to. No. He said, I looked around me. And said, if I'm not going to do it for anybody else, I'm going to do it for you. I'm getting out of this hole for you. I'm getting out of this hole for you. I don't know your name. Matt. But see, Matt, I don't have to know your name. Because the bottom line is, I ain't standing in a hole whenever you need me to do something that God's put in me to do. I got to get out of my hole. And it's love that compels me to do that. Not because I have to. Because if I have to, I don't get out. Because if I have to, I'm going to go back home and be with my wife. Or die. Thanksgiving morning 
I'm going to close with this this morning. Thanksgiving morning, I, uh, Lila and I went on a 10-mile run. And as we were running, we always talk when we have that chance. We don't get that chance often. You guys know he's training for a marathon with me. And, and I just keep coaching and coaching. Come on, you got, come on. My knee has hurt his knee and all this stuff. And I, I'm like, okay, man, you, do, you, you may not need to run this. You're going to hurt yourself. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So, all right, well, come on then. And so we're running and we're just talking. And we're just talking as much as we can while we're running. We're just talking. We're just talking. And I'm, I'm not going to tell you what we talked about because that's between us. But I will tell you this. The things that we talk about are things like, are you healthy? Are you healthy spiritually? How's things going? How's Allison? I'm going to get emotional here for a moment. How's, how's how you and Allison? Y'all good? Yeah, Dad, we're good. How's your walk with God? You're not letting those people, you're not letting those people twist your head, are you? No, Dad, no, Dad, I'm, I'm good. You, you're not letting that travel twist your head, are you? No, Dad. He said, I feel like that that's part of what God's got me to, to do right now at this season. I said, I get it. I, I'm there with you. I'm, I'm going to be there in Nashville whenever you need me. I'll be there. They may not like me as well as they do you, but I'm going to be there. So, so these are the things we we're talking about, emotion. How, how, how's your spirit life? How, how's, your, how's your soul? How's your soul? Is anything that I can do is my family's soul is healthy. I'm a winner. Because everybody in this house, long enough in the church, you're going to get hurt. And what's going to happen to you whenever you get hurt in the church? You're going to want to stop serving. You're going to want to stop giving. You're going to want to stop going. And you're going to want to get your little click, and you're going to want to go home and have church on your couch. That is a lie from hell. I said it. I'm not saying small groups aren't powerful. They are, but they do not take place at temple worship on Sunday. Does not take place. I had somebody the other day tell me, said, well, I'm just going to do what, what old preacher so-and-so said to do, and that was just to have church in my house. I said, well, you need to listen to the rest of the message. I'm going to retreat back to my, how do I get here? I'm going to go back to my hole. I'm going to sit on my couch. I'll have to deal with nobody because I got hurt. I'm not making light of your hurt. I'm just saying you got to get over your hurt and you got to get back in the game. No, these are things that these are things we talk about. No, no, let's talk about the game for a moment. You can't win if you ain't playing. You can't score if you're not in the game. Well, Dad, I want to do this and I want to do that. I, I think God's calling me to this. So, well, boy, you just need to get in the game then. You follow what I'm saying? You got to get in the game. I feel like God's called me to ministry. What are you doing? Where are you serving? Where are you studying? How are you preparing yourself? You can only go as high as you have depth of preparation. 
Therefore, if God's put you in a place that he's not using you and putting you in front of the lights at this point, you ought to thank God he hasn't put you in front of the lights yet. Because if you get put in front of the lights and you have no depth, then you come falling down like the leaning tower of... Not, that hasn't fallen yet, has it? You come falling down. Why? Because you have no depth. You have no root. You have nothing down in your soul that's going to get you through the tough times whenever people in the church. It's not the people outside the church that hurt me that gets to me. It's the people inside the church that hurt me that get to me. I feel like preaching for a while now. I I think I've stirred up something on the inside of me this morning. Because we, we retreat back to our cave because of this and because of that and, and this and the other in our lives and our soul gets all messed up and we can't do what God's called us to do because we're scared to death that something else is going to happen. Well, let me just go ahead and bust your bubble. Something else is going to happen. But if your roots are deep enough, you'll walk through this like you didn't walk through it last time. Why? Because now i got something on the inside of me that can handle what I'm going through today. Hallelujah. 